Welcome to your Monday edition of Transformation Radio. Much more. 
And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 56. Here's an overview of what we're going to be reading about in Scripture today here in the New Testament. Mark uses the word apostles here, and in chapter 3, verse 14. Apostle simply means one sent, as messenger, authorized agent, or missionary. The word became an official title for Jesus' twelve disciples after his death and resurrection. When Jesus asked the disciples to provide food for over 5,000 people, well, they were amazed and said, it would take a small fortune to feed such a crowd. How do you react when you're given an impossible task? A situation that seems impossible with human resources is simply an opportunity for God the disciples did everything they could by gathering the available food and organizing the people into groups. Then, in answer to prayer, God did the impossible. When facing a seemingly impossible task, do what you can and ask God to do the rest. He may see fit to make the impossible happen. The uh, disciples didn't want to believe. Perhaps because, uh, number one, they couldn't accept the fact that this human named Jesus was really the Son of God. Or number two, they dared not believe that the Messiah would choose them as his followers. Perhaps number three, they still didn't understand the real purpose for his mission, his coming to earth. Their disbelief took the form of misunderstanding. I mean, even after watching Jesus miraculously feed 5,000 people, they still could not take the final step of faith and believe that he was God's son. If they had, they would not have been amazed that Jesus could walk on water. All right, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. February 23rd, the New Testament. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 56. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? he asked. Go and find it. They came back and reported, We have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of fifty or a hundred. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward... The disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftover bread and fish. 
A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida, while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 10. Waiting for God to help us is not easy, but David received four benefits from waiting. Number one, God lifted him out of his despair. Number two, God set his feet on solid ground. Number three, God steadied him as he walked. And number four, God put a new song of praise in his mouth. Now the religious ritual of David's day involved sacrificing animals in the tabernacle. David said these acts were meaningless unless done for the right reasons. Today we often make rituals of going to church or taking communion or paying tithes. I take joy in doing your will, my God. Jesus portrayed this attitude of obeying and serving God. And he came as the prophets foretold, proclaiming the good news of God's righteousness and forgiveness of sins. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 10. For the choir director, a psalm of David. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or in those who worship idols. O oh, Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, Look, I have come, as is written about me in the Scriptures. 
I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses.
not forget who you are and what you've done for us. What you've done for us. Though the world sees and soon forgets, we will not forget who you are and what you've done for us. What you've done for us. Though the world sees and soon forgets, we will not forget who you are and what you've done for us. <laughs> what you've done for us. reading quotes Jesus in verse 15 of John chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When parents ask why their son or daughter didn't do what was asked, the response is often an excuse. I didn't hear you. I didn't have time. And I didn't realize you wanted it done right away are familiar statements to moms and dads. In a similar way, Christians tend to offer a wide variety of justifications to the Heavenly Father. Excusitis is all too common an ailment. Excuses are an attempt to shift responsibility for what we've done or failed to do to something or someone besides ourself. We may fail to achieve God's plans for another reason. Greed. Selfishness won't help us succeed, but generosity giving as the Lord commands, taking the opportunity to speak words of encouragement, or using our time to help others, brings blessing. Acting against our conscience is another hindrance. It makes us double-minded. We feel guilty over our action, but want to continue anyway. In this condition, we find that our concentration diminishes, preventing us from putting our wealth of experience, ability, and talent into the work God has assigned us. Another obstacle is laziness, which is often accompanied by many excuses and yields the same result, disobedience to God. 
For example, the Lord commands all of us to practice the one another's found in the middle of Romans chapter 12, but frequently his instruction goes ignored because we think it takes too much effort. With the Holy Spirit's help, we can overcome these common negative tendencies. What is he prompting you to work on?
Today's word is attraction. Mark Jones, a business manager from Spokane, Washington, submitted it. It's a beautiful area out there in Spokane, Mark. I think that most of us want to be attractive, but I think we misunderstand how to be attractive to people. I think we put way too much emphasis upon uh, physical appearance. And I think we put way too little emphasis upon attitude. The most attractive people I know have an attractive attitude. Their attitude is expansive as far as caring for people, wanting to help people, looking at life in a positive way and bringing a, a, a positive energy into the experience and relationship with others. To me, the attractive people understand that beauty is only skin deep, but beneath that beauty, that inner soul, that heart to help, that love for people, that desire to enjoy life and then take people with them and enjoy that. It's that spirit that makes a person attractive. And here's what I know. Oh, I, we can doctor ourselves up and we can control our looks to a certain extent. But to be honest with you, we're a little limited in that area. What we are is what we are. But you're not, a limited, you're not limited at all on the inside, that attractive spirit. So today, begin to work on the inside. It'll sneak on the outside, and it'll make you attractive to others. This is who I am
Barry Watkins, 34 years old, from Columbus, Ohio. I grew up in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I was adopted when I was six. I've always felt like something's missing in my life. I have four great children. I've had lots of things, but always felt empty until I came to the refuge. It's been a great place to make great brothers, and I found the Lord again right behind me where I'd left him. It's been great. I feel alive again. I feel whole. I just thank the Lord that I found the refuge.
And that does it for today's podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another edition of Transformation Radio.